Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. This one is gone on Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. Two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven is the phone number. Well, Double D, uh, it's like the middle of winter. Not a, not a piece of sunshine in the sky. <laughs> a few flurries coming down, and Tiger Talk rolls on as uh, we had the events down in Detroit and the caravan around the country. We had our big show on Saturday, and uh, pretty soon, before you know it, uh, you'll be calling that first pre-star right. exhibition game, uh, the Grapefruit League game, and I uh, can't wait. First one is three weeks, our first broadcast, three weeks from this Saturday. So. Are you guys on the road or at home that first game? Exactly. Okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm sitting there, <laughs> I, I probably didn't look, but I hope you're at home. You know it's why? It's home one of those first two, and I'm almost positive that first one is a home game. I've looked at the schedule actually a ton of times yeah. just to uh, refresh myself when the first one is. But the first one is Saturday. Pretty sure it's home. I can double-check that. Well, <laughs> you know, I always look forward to the first uh, uh, exhibition game simply because there's something about the sound. And even though they've renovated uh, Marchant Stadium a number of times, uh, it really hasn't mattered. It sounds the same on the radio. There's a certain sound to it that I just absolutely love in the spring. You know, it's good I know on the road. we have you tuning in every game. I, I do listen to you a lot more <laughs> than I probably should. And I, I know uh, it's always interesting, the 7th, 8th, or innings. Oh, my goodness. That's when it gets and, fun. And you guys start talking about your scorecard. <laughs> I know that's going to happen. I know that's uh, it's a right of spring. So it's yeah, it's uh, it's part of life. It's part of the turn of the calendar. It's part of the change of the seasons. Part of what we love so much. And you know the caravan and everything. It was interesting to see everybody. It was good to see the boys of the summer. I mean, so it does to get to the juices flowing a little bit. You know, it you know, you start thinking about the, the season upcoming and the changes that have been made, and you know, just what the possibilities are. I mean, if you can't be hopeful this time of year, what what's the upside? Because we know what they're coming from. What is the upside in 2020? You let yourself dream a little bit about a healthy Miguel Cabrera and things like that. But more than anything, I mean, I think the thing that you and I felt after doing that two-hour show on Saturday is just, you know, the fact that this is a year when there's going to be a lot of excitement building because of the prospects that are on their right. way and who will arrive at some point this summer. Uh, speaking of the prospects, uh, Tarek Skubal, you know, struck out. It's amazing. But he struck <laughs> out in uh, 15 starts at Double uh, A Erie. He struck out 17.4 hitters per nine innings, almost two per inning. That's 82 in 42. Uh, It's just an incredible strikeout rate. And, uh, you know, he's vaulted up these prospects lists, which, by the way, we'll discuss uh, coming up at uh, 7.15. I'm going to be quizzing Pat. Well, well, I mean, people who've listened to the show know that you used to do the prospect rankings, but I want to... You and I were talking earlier. It'd be interesting to hear, you know, from someone who's done it, all the things that go into it, because we're going to hear a lot of these lists coming up in in the weeks ahead. They're all interesting. These are all committed people who watch a lot of games and try to do their best. And these are always going to be rankings that have so much doubt to them because you're trying to project a high schooler maybe or a young man who's at A ball or double A ball and projecting them forward. And there's a lot that goes into it. So anyway, we'll be talking about that. Yeah, there's a you know it's it's interesting just the and this year the Tigers rankings aren't there's not a pat answer for them, which uh, a lot of times there's you know you know who's going to be one two or right. three uh, there's kind of a discrepancy on who's one two and three right now and with good reason. But the good news is I mean 
There's three really good ones. <laughs> By MLB Pipeline, they've got four in the top 50. Never happened before. Uh, they're, yeah, they're... Uh, Not for the Tigers. Yeah, they're... they're, they're and they, that's a big deal. My, my experience, they've never had remotely the Four many. of the top 50. Right. They and, have... They have a, a lot of top end prospects, but again, uh, there's a, there's there's a lot of, if not Relative. guesswork. I mean, you're still you're trying to figure out some guys who are still far from the major leagues. Not in the case of the guys you mentioned, but a Riley Green, for instance, is is a top thirty prospect by many accounts right now. Top forty at least. Uh, I can and see he, why. Yeah, and he's just you know going to be in this age nineteen season coming up. So uh, yeah, he's fun to talk about yeah, because this is going to be an exciting summer for real live. National consensus, top prospects on their way to Detroit. Yeah, we'll discuss that, all those things, 715. But I, I thought, you know, what, what news came out of the caravan? You know, I mean, everybody comes in, everybody talks, hopefully, about the season. And I thought there were two news things that came out. Uh, one, uh, Michael Fulmer. You know, it's almost like the forgotten guy. I did, you know, I saw him pop into the clubhouse late last year. He lost noticeable amount of weight. Um, and he has if anything, lost even more. I mean, it looks like a bit of a different Michael Fulmer. He's had uh, Tommy John surgery and an injury uh, for his knee, landing points on his knee, uh, which is, you know, those are two major concerns. Uh, the timetable for him is July. And I thought, uh, you mentioned the show that we did. Uh, we both thought that this was probably the most interesting aspect was Michael Fulmer uh, discussing his uh, recovery and return and injury. Yeah, that's my goal. You know, they told me uh, the Tommy John would be a 14 to 16 month rehab process before I had the surgery. That's a long time. And obviously I've gotten most of it out of the way here, but uh, the hard parts yet to come. I haven't been off the mound yet. I'm getting there uh, in this spring training sometime, which will be, I'm looking forward to that. But, you know, July is, is kind of my goal. It has been my goal, but anything I can do to kind of push up a little bit. Um, everything's feeling great going out to 120 feet starting uh, on Monday. So playing catch at 90 right now, kind of throwing a little uh, flat ground at 60 feet sometimes, and uh, everything's balls coming out good, feeling great. So. And one of the things that he had mentioned was, and, and we, I mean, this was a big issue last spring. He had the knee brace on. I mean, he's had two meniscus uh, surgeries on his knee, and that is part of the equation. So what this has allowed him to do, the Tommy John surgery, is to work on his mechanics because his old mechanics put a lot of pressure on that knee. And that's not a small change. I mean, it was, I think it was a struggle for him last year. But he talked about, again, and you mentioned the weight loss, but the things that he's doing to make sure that when he comes back and gets that arm healthy, that the knee is willing. Yeah, I think, uh, I think weight loss has, has been kind of a big help for it right now. And then we've uh, our new assistant strength coach, Matt Rosenhammer, and I down in Lakeland have been on a stretching routine, flexibility routine every single morning. Uh, and I feel a lot better because of that, which will help me open up my hips a lot more and kind of turn my back leg over instead of driving off my heel and basically putting my knee in that awkward position again. So it's torquing. Your knee was kind of torquing, right, as you turn. Yes, it was kind of kind of bowing in a little bit. But now I can generate more power, more flexibility for my hips and let my hips do more, more of the work. You know, I thought it was also interesting. I don't know if I mean to spring this on David, but he also uh, – you can find this, David. He he talked a little bit about, um, you know, just the whole thing about the, everybody. Well, it wasn't everybody, but a lot of scouts. I remember when they traded for him. I know a couple of guys that watched the Eastern League closely. Uh, this was something that in the scouting community talked about all the time was that he had a so-called violent, violent delivery. Yeah. And, you know, how his thoughts about that have uh, kind of changed as he uh, moves forward with it. 
No, not necessarily. I think it's not a certain pitch type. It's just the way. It's about the lower body mechanics. Lower body and then upper body, too. We're trying to get the arm to come up a little quicker uh, and be kind of stay on top of the ball. But as far as like pitch grips, pitch types, none of that will change. I just got to go from a different angle now. So, you know, he's uh, so much that goes into it. There he is. You know, the one thing about him, though, and I think that maybe the people don't know his background. Michael Fulmer uh, was a second round draft pick of the Mets. And the first round, Archie Bradley and Dylan Bundy, who were like two high-end guys. Bradley was also a football player. Out of the same state, relatively small state, when you look at the population base compared to California or Texas or Florida, uh, for prospects, Oklahoma had him one year. And I think the reason Michael Fulmer probably was the one that dropped to the second round was those pitching mechanics. And he has to focus in on that a little bit more at this point. He wasn't worried about it before, he said, because – yeah, he's just trying to get outs. Yeah, he's yeah. getting, and he was, you know. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But as you pointed out, I mean, his last healthy season, his average fastball, even though the strikeouts weren't big, was still above ninety-five. He was, it was one of the best fastballs by average yeah. velocity in the major leagues for starting pitchers. It was fourth. And I'm really intrigued by with new mechanics. I mean, I keep thinking this is a strikeout and inning guy, right? With yeah. that fastball. And I'm really intrigued to see if, with the new mechanics and more flexibility, if indeed that fastball helps him, you know, either set up the other pitches, the secondary pitches, and or gets more swings and misses if he uses it up in the strike zone. Because if he's not a strikeout and inning guy, I don't know who is. Yes, that was one of the – and the other interesting was about competition uh, throughout training camp. Uh, This was uh, Ron Gardenhire addressing us. We have competition now, and that's really important. Um, and that was the goal going into the winter meetings was to give up, you know, put some players in here, uh, some competition, add some veteran bats, and we're still looking for more people. But we want to start putting a good team on the field, and we want these kids to continue to develop. So it's a dicey little thing to do. But like I said, you, you can sit there and say, well, you're going to play because you're a young kid coming up and you're still learning. Yeah, that's good and that's fine. That's okay, good and fine, but you still have to go out there and play. You have to get it done. You have to start getting it done. Oh, well, there's competition everywhere. Uh, you know, we're still looking for, you know, extra outfielders. We're, we want more competition there. We signed some good infielders. So we got competition, you know, in the infield too. We got guys that need to step up. Uh, you know, Candyman, we want him to do some things. Lugo had, you know, played pretty well last year. There's good competition there. Those guys are going to have to battle it out and figure out, you know, who's going who's gonna to earn that job. And, uh, that's going to be important. It's going to be fun to watch. That's what baseball is all about, uh, people earning things, and uh, that's what we're going to try to do. I think they're hoping more than anything that the guy who will benefit most from competition is Jamer Candelario because they still know what's in there. We just didn't see much of it last year. What's in there is a guy who could hit for average, meaning, I don't know, 250 to 280 to me, with the ability to draw walks and hit with gap-to-gap and home run power. I mean, it really could be the complete package, but we have not seen it since those first two months of 2018. He might be the one that benefits most from competition. They, they're trying to figure out, how do we get it out of this guy? Well, they've done it in a number of positions. Uh, third base, obviously, with those two. Shortstop now, people look at the Jordy Mercer signing, maybe you know, roll that, their that, eyes. That could be the same thing. There'll be I mean, some competition there. Absolutely. And also, Willie Castro, they're not just handing him the job. Right. Because he had a good year. Or Nico Goodrum. Pardon? Nico Goodrum. And Nico Goodrum. They, Nico you know, Goodrum's got first shot at winning the starting. At it, yes. But I think I think there is but some concern that he they're, could be an everyday guy. They're creating competition yes. for Nico. You know, there's kind of perception they've handed him the job. He doesn't do well in spring training. There's a couple other guys. One a youngster. One a 
a veteran who's, you know, anybody who got to know Jordy Mercer a little bit last year knows he feels bad about it. Even though he got paid a lot of money, right. he feels bad about it. So he's going to want to prove it. He's a proud ball player. Last two months, he actually was he Tiger's did. best hitter. Yeah, so, you know, and the outfielder are going to try to – they might sign a guy or two, but they've got some competition in all those different spots as is right now. You play well, you got a shot. If you don't, you won't. I think that's a good thing. Coming up next, we'll talk about Tiger prospects and these rankings, which have all pretty much come out now, with a lot of different disparity at the top three especially. Uh, we'll talk about those coming up next. And also, Tarek Skubal. Tarek Skubal, uh, very highly regarded. On national rankings, local rankings, just highly regarded. After he struck out almost two hitters per inning, it's a pretty big sample size at double. He'll join us at 745. It's Tiger Talk, and 97 won the ticket. Where you call the shots most of the time. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio 97.1. The ticket. Uh, really, we, we identified three players uh, pretty pretty much right away in, in Jonathan Scope and, and C.J. Crone. And, you know, with Austin Romine, he was one of the catchers that we, we did, that we did uh, identify along with, obviously, Alex. Uh, and, um, and, and we were very fortunate to be able to sign all three. That was Al Avila talking about the free agent signings of C.J. Crone, uh, Jonathan uh, uh, Scope, and uh, Austin Romine. And the, we talked about it last week. We talked about it a number of times, Dan, uh, throughout the show. Uh, they're better signings than what they did last year. I mean, they just are. They make more sense. Uh, there's not, you know, injuries can happen at any time, but there's a much lower probability of injury uh, for position players at their stage of the career. They also had plus wins above replacement last year. They tested out metrically. They had a lot of home runs, particularly Crone and, and uh, Scope. So they have, you know, quite a bit that uh, could help them here. Absolutely. I think Romine's a really, really nice pickup. And uh, Romine had a very good year in a part-time player, 0.8 war. And uh, he had his best offensive year, but he's average to above average. And usually above average is a pitch framer, pretty good thrower, catcher. Um, he should uh, help them a great deal if, you know, he's able to. Sometimes you get a guy like that and you overplay the card. He plays too many right. games and. I think Ron Gardner is smart enough to know, you know, from his experience. How much? What, yeah. yeah. And they'll, analytically, they'll decide when he should be in there or not, I think, uh, their analytics department. Think of Francisco Cervelli, who uh, had never been a full-time catcher when he was finally given that opportunity, and he he did okay Yeah, I think uh, that Romine's going to help him. I, I really do. I don't think there's you can put too much value on a veteran catcher handling a young staff. Uh, a young catcher, I mean, they only had young catchers last year. I can only tell you this, having been there the day and they I had that, that brawl. That hurt some of those guys. The day they had the brawl with the Yankees, I just, if I were a photographer in spring training, the first day I'd get Miggy, you know, with like a, like a fist under Romine's chin for a good, you know, like publicity photo that would be funny. What do you think, Dan? I think they're going to be so tired of asking that question oh, before anybody reports. I think, you know what? I'm guessing <laughs> they probably already are and they haven't had to do it yet. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Like always, Dan, I get into these discussions, whatever. We'd love to hear from you and hear what your opinion is about these different things. You heard about Michael Fulmer in the first segment in the competition. Uh, you saw the Tigers' winter caravan come through. 
Uh, spring training is starting very, very soon. Pitchers and catchers report on February 11th. It's not too far away. The first preseason game, exhibition games, actually what they call them, baseball, are coming up soon. So we'd love to hear from you, 248-539-9797. Uh, now we've got, Dan, though, the uh, prospects rankings have pretty much come out. I saw uh, the Detroit News had their prospects rankings. Lynn Henning did them. And uh, we've seen uh, uh, the Free Press has done uh, prospects. I believe I've seen that one. Uh, the Athletic did one. Uh, Baseball America and MLB Pipeline did theirs um, that I can think of off the top of my head that I've seen. And there's a variance between who should be the number one prospect. Um, here locally, uh, you've seen all uh, the local media, and this is what I had last year, and I haven't done a uh, top prospect. I don't do it per se. I just, I'll write a column about it at some point uh, when I feel like I don't know if I'll do it before the start of the season. But I did this last year. I felt this way as well. Um, Matt Manning at number one. Uh, the national guys tend to all put Casey Mize as number one. I know uh, uh, MLB Pipeline. I know Jim Callis well from my days of Baseball America on that one. And uh, also uh, looking at uh, what Baseball America did, in my opinion, Matt Manning should be one. I would have Mize two still, uh, despite the injuries that have derailed him. Scooble, who we're going to have on, Tarek Scooble, at 745 tonight. Uh, he's fabulous. You remember when I saw him pitch. Uh, it must have been a Thursday game or something. It was a day game, I know that, either Thursday or Sunday. And I just went, I went freaking nuts. Because I, when I watched this game on MLB.com or whatever, I just put it on. I had no idea what I was going to see. I know he'd pitched well at Grand Rapids and had done well, uh, you know, at Lakeland. Lakeland. yeah. And I'd seen him a little bit in Grand Rapids, West Michigan. But um, on these, they don't have the Lakeland games on this thing. So I just, I freaked out when I saw him. I got to tell you, it was unbelievable, the stuff that he had. And I just, I went down, I went in the clubhouse I saw Al and David Chad, and I'm like, hey, David, who signed that guy? You know, this guy's like lightning in a bottle. So he's number three, though. I'd still put him there. You'd put uh, him at three? I'd put him at three. Roddy Green? Right. So I saw Lynn had him two, and he had Mize three. I saw where uh, Emily from The Athletic. and Emily her, Walden? Yeah, her law, her uh, list is probably mirrors more of what mine would be more than any of the other ones that I've seen. And uh, also, uh, I looked at, uh, you know, I, uh, I think it was Anthony Fennick that did the free press one. Yeah, I looked at that, and uh, he has Manning. He did last year as well uh, at number one. So and you're basically trying to predict which one is going to have be the most impactful and also have the best career, Best right? career, yeah. Because and there, And when we talk about the MLB draft in June every year, there is a big difference between one and two in terms of the value that have been provided by those picks over the last 15 years or so. So it does make a difference. In this case, it just seems like the margin is very razor thin. But talk about when you did these rankings, and as you look at these, what some of the things, some of the considerations that the people who are doing these rankings, and they put a lot of time and effort into it because they know a lot of people are looking, and it matters more to Tigers fans now than perhaps it ever has. Well, I can't speak for everybody that's done it. But I just did some it. of the considerations yeah, that I you're thinking about and that they're probably thinking about. I did it for 20 years right. for baseball. I mean, just people know. Right. Um the first thing is I don't t take everything that the organization tells me at face value, but I do talk to those people, you know, enough, you know, where I know what they're thinking because the, sometimes they have like agendas. Not, I'm not saying that right. in a bad way, 
They might this guy they sure. don't want to promote too much. This guy not so much. I'm talking about in terms of their psych, psyche of where they're going or whatever. Um, and they all want to make their system sound better than what it is, which the Tigers right now really don't have to do. Right. But they've done it for a long time because their system wasn't as good as this. Um, the other thing is I I took the time to watch them. I went to uh, instructional league in the fall uh, many years. I went to uh, Lakeland. And at the part of the time that I was doing it, Jacksonville was there too. So I'd see the golf roast league. I mean, the golf coast league, <laughs> you know, games, the Lakeland games, and then shoot up to Jacksonville. And when it, that was convenient, or I would take a trip out East. I would see them in Erie in Akron or something like that. And of course, Toledo, I would make sure I saw them myself. It's not necessary now because of description to MILB.TV. You can watch for a minimal amount. All the baseball right. you want to want to your heart's content. And you only don't see Lakeland, pretty much. Even some of the Connecticut games are on. Although I got to tell you, some of the camera angles are a bit bizarre. It's like the overhead <laughs> thing. So you do get a pretty good a line on what's going on. And I th- you can tell when I can, when I'm reading, you know, the various assessments of them, having seen most of these kids via that way, and many of them, especially the top end guy. I saw every pitch Matt Manning threw last year. I saw every pitch uh, Mize threw after he got called up. I saw Scooble every one of their pitches. You have the ability to do that and go back and look. Um, you know, I, I could tell where they had done that and where they hadn't and where maybe the Tigers said this and they're, you know, they're kind of buying what the Tigers are selling. Maybe they shouldn't or maybe they should. I don't know how that makes any sense to anybody. But the lists were all good. I, and everybody's yeah. got a matter of opinion on it, you know. So if Mize is one, I have no issue with somebody doing that. I, I, Scooble hasn't done it for but a small sample size. Mize was the first overall pick who got drafted in that spot for a reason. Manning's vastly underrated by both the national guys and locally here. Matt Manning has got an upside that's like off the charts. I saw a projection baseball America that he'd be a number two guy, uh, you know, or a rotation piece. He's definitely got number one guy stuff. Okay, if I've ever seen it. He's really Matt Manning is really good. All right. He's really, really good. That's my opinion on it. And Mize has a chance. He's a different type of pitcher. He throws three different pitches, three or four different. We had him on. Um, Manning's a fastball, high spin rate, up in the zone, and then a big overhand curveball that he throws through that, what they, you know, they call the pitch tunnel. They come out at about the same time where you can't tell the hitter, and it's just, they come in and it, it, that's going really, to be really hard for it, people to barrel him. It's one and one A with those two, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, and it's about as close as can be. Yeah, it depends. You know, Mize a little older. He's got a little more experience. Got a, well, that's the other thing. Age and he also in. he is dedicated to marrying his physical talents with the analytics to make himself better pitch shaping and constructing pitches and making them all better. I just think it's it's going to be the complete package. The only question mark is it the only question mark for you? The health. Because I don't think there's much doubt about the stuff. No, he's he's got it. You know, I don't know. Dan, why do you put Manning ahead of him? Once once they get up to the major leagues, you can never. Why? Why? Because Matt Manning can throw his fastball in through the heart of the zone sometimes, and they won't hit it. Okay. Casey Mize throws his fastball through the heart of the zone in the major leagues. They're gonna they're gonna light him up like a pinball machine. Okay. He's got to be on the edges. Manning, I would. He's guess, got that ability. What he does, yes. he has the control and he knows how to pitch. All right, he's got good pitch ability, a feel for pitching. Uh, but Manning has Manning gets his pitches over the plate, 
he's not going to get hit. Uh, Mize has to hit the borders of the zone and change the speeds. It's a little more. It's all relative, Dan. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mize throws like 95 to 97. <laughs> okay, so he's got some nasty stuff. Well, the difference is if Manning goes down a little bit, he still get the ball through the zone. It looks like. Yeah. He throws. He's taller too. He throws from a higher angle down. So and he's got that hammer in combination of the high arm angle looks like a high spin rate pretty good velocity you know 200 up there at 95 it's gonna make him nasty if and he's athletic he was a basketball right. star one one of the uh, lists that we talk about the lists that are coming out and there are many and it's always interesting to look at, at the opinions one list that i don't think it's a lot of publicity it's from a, a terrific publication baseball the minor the baseball forecaster, the minor league baseball analyst, but it's a list of the top 75 impact prospects for this year. And the Tigers show up pretty well on this list. We can talk about that when we come back. 248-539-9797. It's Tiger Talk. 745. Tarek Skubal will join us. 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson on Tigers Radio. 97-1, the ticket. Well, 248-539-9797 is the phone number. You want to chime in? I'll put it out there to you. Uh, A lot of Tiger fans listening to this. Uh, The farm system and what's coming now that these guys are at AAA. Erie had a really good team. And their starting rotation is going to have the three above-mentioned pitchers we talked about at uh, Toledo to start the year projected. Uh, one, uh, Mize, Manning, and uh, Fajardo. One, two, three, three, two, one, two, three, one, whatever you want to uh, rank them. And then you've got Joey Wentz, who's, in my opinion, a very underrated prospect, who they got in the Shane Green deal with the Braves. For the same reason, he's young and he has had success at A, and he's got three pitches. Uh, he's a little bit of command away from actually pitching in the major leagues. Don't forget about Anthony Castro, the sixth starter at Erie last year, coming well, back Fajardo. from Tommy John. And Fajardo. Right. You uh, know, who was a first-round pick who, you know, look. No, nobody's I, forgetting about Fajardo. No, I mean, low walks, high strikeouts. But Castro's the sixth guy. Right. Who every, I mean, people look at that arm, and Derek Hill was saying on the caravan, he's like, that might be the best arm right now. <laughs> and they're going to move uh, Bo Burrows, probably Funkhauser, but Bo Burrows, definitely. I mean, I heard, well, there's some talk about, no, that's what they're going to do with Bo Burrows. And, what, uh, bullpen? He's going to be in the bullpen. Uh, he better get used to it. He's going to like it. And uh, because it, and he's, a, he's look, he, he was real good for the first 19 innings last year. Gave up eight runs in his last start before he got hurt. And then it really struggled coming back. But he's got a good fastball. So that, you know, it, it probably has a high spin rate, a lot of late life. Uh, so underestimate Bo Burrows, you know, because he was hurt, then that they're not doing that. I can promise you that. And these lists, you know, obviously they did their homework on that because they had him up there pretty high despite what happened. And um, also, uh, you know, Funkhauser, I got a mixed view on. He's either great or just awful. There's And it's like inning to inning. It's bizarre to watch sometimes. But he was a high-end college kid. It was a first-round draft pick at one point. He does at times have nasty stuff. It's like weird, okay? But that might translate well as a one-inning guy, all right, if they get him into that mode. So there is some possibility with a lot of pitchers at Toledo that they might, they're knocking on the door here of the major leagues. And, you know, when are they going to bring him up? What are they going to do? And Al talked a little bit about the curve of this uh, this week uh, when we discussed it with him. 
Well, obviously, you know, you want consistency. You know, the difference between a major league player and a minor league player is consistency day in and day out. You know, even here last year at the major league level, we saw some pretty good performances, but in, in patches, yeah. you know, not consistent. You know, there was there was days you look out there you go man these that guy's pretty darn good or you know hey this team is not that bad but could, they didn't do it consistently so that's the difference okay so now okay, now what we have to figure out is okay is that just because there's not enough talent or not enough time not enough at bats not enough innings pitched okay and that's where the evaluation comes in day to day and that's what we were talking about when do you call guys up there's a lot that goes into it and that's the first thing he mentioned beyond the numbers guy might have a really nice low era but has it been has he been consistent does he have the pitches to get major league hitters out got a nice batting average good power numbers has it been consistent and that's just something for tiger fans to remember because that's going to be the question for so many players when are they coming up not just mize and manning and scooble yeah but the other guys that i was i was mentioning before the break that show up on some lists and this is a list that you just don't see very often, the top 75 impact prospects for 2020 from the baseball forecaster and their accompanying minor league baseball analysts. I love both these publications. I have for a long time. I love the minor league, the way they do their rankings. They do it on a 1 to 10 scale, with a 10 being a future Hall of Famer, 9 being a perennial right. all-star elite. But then it's not just that number. It's the chances that the odds that they're going to reach their potential. So you might have a 9A, meaning he's a lock, or a 9D, which means big question marks. Heck of an upside, but big question marks. I like their system. Those are two great publications. But So the top 75 impact prospects for this year, their top 40 include five Detroit Tigers, which is a good reminder that nationally people like Isaac Paredes quite a bit. And... Willie Castro is actually the highest ranked. There are five Tigers in the top 40 for impact prospects for this year. Right. And it's Willie Castro who's at number nine. And then you drop down a little bit. Jake Rogers, still highly thought of. Don't forget about this guy just because he struggled so much. He's at number 24. Well, he can catch and throw. It's about hitting. Matt Manning is at number 28. Isaac Paredes is number 32. And Casey Mize is number 37. Five in the top 40 of potential impact prospects, not in the minor leagues, but for this year, the ones that might have the most impact this year. So good reminder that those position players still hold a lot of national regard for what they might do at the major league level, Castro, Paredes, Rogers. Well, first of all, I think a lot more of Willie uh, Castro than probably most. I'd have to look to see. uh, He was in the top 10 on all these lists of Tiger prospects. And I don't know if he should be in the top five or anything. to me, he's not his ceiling isn't as high as Paredes, because Paredes at his age to hit as well as he's done, and he really grinded through last season impressively. It'll be interesting to see what he does with the liver baseball at AAA. Do they keep the minor league baseball in Double A? No, they're going to down to the Double A this year. Yeah, from what I've read. Yeah, with the major league ball. No, no, no. They decided to keep the Double A ball. They did. Yeah, I read that this okay. week. I believe somewhere I along that. the way. So to me, it's uh, something that. You know, you might see him hit, start to hit with because he. I looked at it. There was a number. I don't know where they got it. The Baseball America top ten had his exit velocity at eighty eight, which is lower than what I could tell looking at watching him hit. Hmm. 
uh, is average exit velocity. Right. Um, because it seems to me like he stings the ball. That's what everybody says who has watched him for any length of time. The ball makes a different sound coming off his it, bat. It does. And, you know, There's nobody else in the system that I've heard that about. And he, his lift, you know, he doesn't lift the ball yet. But at some point, he's going to, I think he's going to hit with some power. And he does definitely got a good approach. He's solid. He gets the barrel to it. Uh, there's no no problem with it. Defensively, he's played shortstop, but he's really a third baseman. You know, when you're 225 pounds and 20 years old, you're a third baseman. I'm sorry. Okay, that's what's going to happen to you. And you're, you're like 5'10 or something. That's what's going to happen. They're not going to roll you out there at shortstop, but it's good that he has that experience because I think it would help him do that when he makes that transition. Or if you had to play him at second base, there's some versatility there. Right. Even if you had to play him at short for a period of time, he wouldn't embarrass himself, all right? Uh, Castro, to me, they talk about his fielding. You know, he's got to be more consistent with his fundamentals is basically what they're told. Nothing that can't be taught with the tools that he has. He looks right? pretty good to me that way, So, but I'm not watching every move that right. he's making every day. So uh, take them at their word on it because they say it a lot. Yes. Um, so, okay, and, but I know he can hit. He's, you know, he's either side, and he has – foot speed, and athleticism. And he seems like a kid who, again, has been through the system of you know major, uh, minor league baseball with Cleveland and now here, where he's grinded through the tougher times and seems like he's about ready to contribute. It wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about the Tiger shortstop in June and it's a foregone conclusion it's going to be Willie Castro, that he's there and that he's their shortstop, right. and there's really no question about it. Nico Goodrum's back to being a super utility super utility guy. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Right. Matter of fact, in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm anticipating that, not trying to make any bold predictions. Oh, go ahead. No, but make I, a bold I'm, prediction. He's going to hit 350. He's going to out-hit Lindor <laughs> in the tribal, you know, regret ever That's trade. what we're here for. No, no, I, what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying about yeah. it? I think he's better than, like, the perception he has right a now. chance to be an everyday shortstop, and I think, and this is, you but know, it's going to start with his defense. And you, you all heard me a lot on stuff like this. I'm the last person who's going to stroke the Tigers, okay, about their prospects and how they handle them and all that stuff. The last person, okay, and I, I think I followed this stuff closely long enough. The perception of the Tigers organization, in my opinion, when we're discussing this next year is going to be very different than what it is now, in my opinion. Like, last year was disappointing at the major league level profoundly. It shouldn't have gotten that bad. Not remotely. But they did have smarter signings here. I don't know if they're going to win discernibly more games. You're starting from a low point. Uh, but it's the minor leagues, where last year it started out slow. There, were, there was a lot of floundering. Paredes didn't get off to a fast start. You know, different things. Um, Mize was like everybody was just – you know, his wonder wonder guy, you know. Uh, but there's a lot more depth and more things coming in their system uh, that you're going to start to see actually take form. You know, you might see Riley Green take a step forward this year. Somebody like Parker Meadows, I'm not really expecting that from Parker Meadows. Seems really raw to me. But season-to-season improvement sometimes from a, you know, 19, right. 20, 21-year-old is dramatic. They remain very high on him. I was yeah. at an event with Lance Parrish, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't do this, you know, casually, but he said, you watch Parker Meadows, and the numbers are not good offensively. But just remember how young he was. 
So it reminds me of a That's young a Kirk Gibson. That's a high level for a 19-year-old. Reminds me of a young Kirk Gibson. Do you think Lance Parrish is throwing that out there uh, casually? No. He, he, he thought about that, and, I mean, that's high praise. A lot of raw talent that right now needs some work. With all due respect to Lance, there's nothing about the kid that reminds me of Gibby. I remember when he was He's younger. just talking about the athleticism and yeah. what the upside is. There, the upside is there. There's no question. Kirk Gibson was like a tornado coming out of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, his athleticism was like... Whoa, Parker Meadows does have athleticism. Coming up next, we'll talk to somebody who's got an upside himself. <laughs> Tarek Scoobel, 97 won the ticket. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and Tan Dickerson on Tigers Radio, 97 won the ticket. 248539 97 uh, joined shortly by Tarek Scoobel, uh, Tigers pitching prospect. Uh, he actually is with us and joins us now. Hey, Tarek, how are you, man? It's good to talk to you. I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Hey, uh, you know, I got to say, last year, Dan and I, we were talking about this a little earlier. We were having this conversation last year. Nobody had you as uh, one of the Tigers' top three prospects. And uh, now we're talking to you, and they've got you as one of the top <laughs> prospects in all of baseball. Um, what's been the change? Uh, were you somewhat taken back by it, or is, was it really – just a matter of recovering fully from the Tommy John surgery and getting your feet wet in pro baseball. Yeah, I think it was just more of being fully recovered and back to competing again and playing. And I mean, pro ball, you play every day, but in college, I mean, it's that just being able to adapt to that and get back to competing and, and playing and, and trying to win again. I think that's just kind of what it took for me to get back. We were talking about Michael Fulmer earlier, Tarek, and, He's obviously coming back from Tommy John, and it's you know it's a, it's a it's a true progression, isn't it? I mean, it just it takes time. Can you describe? I mean, your walk rate went up, but your strikeouts were still strong. Your walk rate went down impressively last year at two different levels of the Tigers minor league system. How I mean, just how it felt getting your good mechanics back after after missing an entire season, twenty seventeen. Yeah, I mean, I was just it was huge for me to just kind of establish that rhythm on the mound and and the pace that what I want to play at and what I, and like how I want to pitch and being able to slow the game down when I need to, but then also just like riding the rhythm when I, when I'm rolling. So um, I think that's just something that takes time and, and you got to relearn that about yourself. It's very hard because you take uh, like 15 months away from the game and then, or in my case, like longer than that. And then you're thrown back into an environment where it's competing and, and every game is very meaningful and it's just kind of hard to establish that rhythm. So I think that was just huge for me. So you start out at Lakeland, and things go well through 15 starts, and then you go to Erie, and you really open <laughs> a few eyes with 82 strikeouts in 42 innings. Describe what that run was like for you and what was working so well. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I mean, I was just I was throwing the ball well, and I was competing really well, and I was in an environment where there was a lot of support, and and we kind of fed off each other's success. So, and we, and we always helped each other out. Like in any situation, if we see something in a, in a lineup that, that we think we can expose or, you know, a certain hitter or something like that, we were very like vocal and we communicated really well with each other. And, and I think that really helped me a lot was just kind of learning and then leaning on guys when, I mean, I needed some help. So I mean, it was just a really good environment. Watching some of your highlights, it looked like, and Derek Hill spoke to this a little bit, that a lot of it was fastballs, was it? Yeah. Which is amazing. I mean, they, they know it's coming, but they couldn't hit it. Was it 
intentionally looked like you would work up in the strike zone with it, or was it just the feeling that you had that you knew you could throw it and get the swings and misses? Yeah, I mean, later in counts or when, when I know a guy's chasing, then I work up. But, I mean, I will admit not every single time that I throw the fastball high, I want it to go there. But <laughs> um, I think it's just more about competing and being aggressive. And, that, and I was throwing everything with confidence, and, and I think that, that really helped me out. You know, it's noticeable. You went to University of Seattle, and you were projected as a top 50 pick before the, the Tommy John surgery. It wasn't like you were on, weren't on the scouts' radar, uh, all mm-hmm. those things. But one thing I always – when somebody's from the part of the country that you're at, knowing the influence that driveline has and your age and the way you prepare for baseball as compared to somebody who might have come up maybe even as – you know, not that far back, maybe five or six years ago. I just wondered how much of all those different factors uh, went into the fact that you can throw a fastball 95 to 97 and you're striking out almost two per inning. Does any of that play into it, or is your preparation different than what I'm perceiving there? No, I prepare, and I, and I, I mean, I've always wanted to throw hard, and I had to work really hard to throw hard. I didn't throw hard in high school, and my pitching coach at Seattle U um, – Coach Kirby, he did a great job of uh, just teaching guys how to throw with intent and and like developing arms. So I think he did a great job up there. And then I know the whole drive line and the, and all the stuff they do. I was actually up there this off season, and then and I did some things and and they taught me some things about myself that I really like that I'm going to continue to work on. So I mean, it's just kind of a mixture of both. But I think a lot of it was just developing. I mean, from a, like a maturity standpoint from a physical mm-hmm. standpoint in the weight room and all that stuff that has, has really helped me out. Driveline has become such an influential uh, part of baseball. I mean, you, I'm sure you've seen the book, if not read it, MVP machine uh, and, and all the things that have gone into their use of analytics. What, what really kind of resonated with you in terms of either the way you prepare or the way you build your arm strength and, or the way you approach attacking hitters that, that really that you'll take uh, going forward. From driveline, yeah. Oh, I think just the the, the biomechanic part and and how my body works and how I can 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 use my body more efficiently and either reduce stress or maybe possibly gain some more velocity. Um, I, I find that stuff super interesting and how and how the body works and and trying to promote like a like I mean I guess a healthy arm action and and being healthy and being able to sustain and like eat a lot of innings and throw a lot of pitches in a career so um, I think all that stuff was was really eye-opening up there and that's something that I'm going to take for uh, take moving forward you know you, you have this breakout year actually you did pretty well in your initial professional debut it wasn't like you were uh, but I think it was blown away I you know I remember seeing your first start by chance you know I just happened to have it on in the press box the Tigers were playing it was a day game and you know, it was mind-boggling how well you were throwing and striking out guys. And the first thing I did was go down to the clubhouse, and I saw Al Avila and David Chad and said, who's this guy, you know? Because <laughs> none of the Lakeland starts were on there. Um, and I saw you a little bit in Grand Rapids, but, you know, knew you were good and a good prospect, but didn't realize you had that. It was that eye-opening to, to those of us who follow it closely. But, you know, now that you've done this, where do you want to take it moving forward? It was just 15 games, you know. It's not like your career is over and you've accomplished what you want to accomplish. What are you expecting this year? I mean, obviously, I want to I want to be in the big leagues, and then from that point, I mean, I want to 
have a, a successful career. Um, I'm not sure really. I haven't put any like goals or anything like that. I mean, my goal is to just keep working hard and try and get better every day. And then, I mean, just see what happens, you know, and, and, and keep carrying myself with confidence and then and trusting myself and, and then just see kind of how it goes. I mean, I'm not going to put a, like, however many years or whatever or however many wins this year. I just kind of want to keep getting better every day. Terry, for Tiger fans, it's exciting to see a core moving up together and having success. That second half was oh so close to being a, just a dominant second half of the season at Erie, and you ended up missing at the very end. But it's kind of got to be fun for you thinking about, hey, most of this core is going to move up another level, and that level is one level below the major leagues. Yeah, it was it was really fun to play, and and we were winning, and it was a lot of fun, and um, I felt like the clubhouse, just the vibes, everyone kind of got along with each other, and then we all kind of gelled really well, and it, and it was fun to go play and and watch all this, all these other like players that are very talented go out there and take the field every day, and I mean it was just really fun, and and I feel like I learned a lot. It was fun to get to know Derek Hill just a little bit on the caravan, but he, he's an exciting player, isn't he? I think defensively, he just everybody's eyes open up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, he covers. I, I feel like he covers foul pole to foul pole out there. I, <laughs> every time a fly ball was hit, I, I didn't even, unless I mean, unless it left the yard, I, I had no question that it was going to be an out, and that that helps you out so much when you can just attack over the over the plate. You don't have to be so fine because they can hit it as long as it stays in the yard. It's probably an out, and I. And I swear, like, one every three games, he's making some incredible catch, if not every game. Uh, something that I'm like, wow, I don't even, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how he caught that. And then sometimes multiple in a game, and I'm like, wow, I, I mean, I don't understand. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but, yeah, he's a great, great talent. Tarek, it's great to talk to you. Good luck to you the coming season. Maybe we'll see you in Detroit. You never know this summer, eh? Yeah, you never know. All right. Know. Thanks, Tarek. We appreciate your time. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. Eric Scoville. Uh that was interesting. And uh it's it's kind of interesting we got these guys like him. Uh, the combination it. of the willing, you know, the drive to get better with the technology is I mean it's just you get the feeling it's helping all those guys in the minor leagues, but yeah, especially the guys who are closest, Mize Manning and Scoville. It also tells you how, you know, guys can come back from Tommy John yeah. actually better than ever. And he was a top 50 prospect. The only reason he dropped down was because of that. And that was good projection by the Tigers. Anyway, coming up next, it'll be uh, Pistons tonight. And I'll be back with Inside Hockey Town and Kenny Cow at 9. Dan enjoyed it as always. All right, talk to you next week. 97 won the ticket. The future is now at Henry Ford. We're pioneering one-of-a-kind treatments and making medicine more personal. Henry Ford Health System, all for you. This week in Red Wings Hockey, brought to you by your Metro Detroit Chevy dealers. Most of the team is looking forward to healing up mentally and physically over the All-Star break. Tyler Bertuzzi, of course, will have different plans. He'll represent the Red Wings at the All-Star game in St. Louis. Yeah, you know, it's going to be you know, a good experience for me. They're the best uh, guys in the NHL, and I'm excited. And suddenly, rivals are teammates. Um, you know, like McDavid's and, and the Matthews. It's going to be cool to, you know, kind of meet everyone and get to know everyone and just join the spirit. This week in Red Wings Hockey, brought to you by your Metro Detroit Chevy Heavy dealers. Putting in work, making the moves, ready to play. Your Metro Detroit Chevy dealers are at full strength with the Chevy Colorado.
Colorado is the perfect midsize truck that will get the job done, then have a night on the town after. With rugged good looks and advanced technology, like available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, Chevy Colorado is a truck that fits in whether it's work or play. Put it in D and see why Chevy drives the Motor City. Visit ChevyDetroit.com. So, you're having a baby. Your first thought is, oh boy. Your second thought is, oh boy. Diapers, savings, the nursery, college. Life is full of surprises. Good thing there's a full-service bank to help you make the most of each. From online banking to college planning advisors, at Comerica, every account comes with the tools, knowledge, and one-on-one -on -one support you need every step of the way. That's full-service banking, only at Comerica Bank. Raising expectations since 1849. Learn more at Comerica.com. Member FDIC. New Year's resolutions are hard, but getting the speed you need and the entertainment you want with Xfinity is easy. Waking up the kids after a long winter break? Hard. But getting the best in-home Wi-Fi experience to stream your favorites in any room? Easy. Committing to a trendy New Year's diet? Hard. But quickly finding all your streaming apps with Xfinity Flex, a personalized streaming dashboard that lets you search less and watch more? Easy. It's Xfinity. And it's simple, easy, awesome. Get Xfinity Internet today for only $20 a month for 12 months with a one-year agreement. And ask how to add a voice-controlled Flex 4K streaming device for no additional cost. It's a personalized streaming dashboard that puts all your favorites in one place. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Offer ends 2 10 20. Requires EcoBill and AutoPay. Restrictions apply. New performance starter customers only. After contract term, regular rates apply. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Are you going places or looking for places to go? If you use the bathroom at least eight times a day and wake up two or more times each night, you may have an overactive bladder, or OAB. The Courage Study is evaluating an investigational drug in men, taking medication for an enlarged prostate, who have OAB symptoms. To learn more, call 877-912-3999 or visit CourageStudy.com. Again, that's 877-912-3999 or CourageStudy.com. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. It all starts with just one thing. Be smart when operating your thermostat this winter. Lowering the temperature just a few degrees saves a lot of energy, and a programmable thermostat can save even more. Find tips and more at OneThingUS.com. What's your one thing? 24 Seconds Bar and Grill in Berkeley is the place to be for everything sports. Make your plans now for the big game on Sunday featuring free squares and great drink specials. Or let 24 Seconds cater your big game party. Let them do all the work. 24SecondsBar.com. This hour of instant feedback brought to you by Mike Papura of National Benefit Plans. For affordable life insurance, log on to NBPHealth.com. You could win the ticket signing bonus. $1,000 nine times every weekday. Listen for the keyword at half past each hour between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Text that keyword to 72881 before the end of that hour. Message and data rates apply. And you could win a $1,000 signing bonus. WXYT FM and WXYT HD1 Detroit. A radio.com sports station. 
This is Pistons Weekly, the inside story on your Detroit Pistons on and off the court. Here's your host, Chris Fillar, on 97.1 The Ticket. All right, welcome, 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 everybody. Pistons Weekly, it is your opportunity to talk all things Pistons, NBA, and yes, we are going to get into Kobe Bryant, the first time the show has been on since his unfortunate passing on the weekend, and everybody has a story, I think, of where they were when they found out, and I think everybody had the same exact reaction when they found out what happened to Kobe, and that was uh, what Cassius Winston's reaction. Look at the person that told you and say, what? Kobe? Kobe Bryant? So, yeah, we're going to get into that a little bit. I know it's almost I think some people are complaining that Kobe is now worn itself out. Do people have any idea what he meant to so many people and the people I I had somebody get at me on Twitter and I was just talking to Dan Dickerson about social media and how you should ignore the idiots. But, you know, we don't. We, we don't do that. So, you know, this is this is what happened. So I put it out there. I said, man, how on earth could they not cancel the games on the day that happened? I have no idea how that's been. Of course, somebody got at me and they said, for a retired NBA player, whatever, you guys are all soft or something of that nature. Like, man, there are people bawling their eyes out in the locker room 30 minutes before a game is going to start. And they're going to go out there and they're going to compete to the peak athletic level that they need to. You got guys crying on the bench. Doc Rivers bawling in the media area, meeting with the media. I, it's it, it's unreal to me, but there's so many good things to remember about Kobe Bryant. We're going to remember some of those things. And I do want you guys to, why don't you give me a ticket text? 97136. Give me your Kobe moment. I think everybody has one. That defining moment that you remember from his life or his career or anything that goes into it. And just let me know what it is. And and all it is is when you hear the name Kobe Bryant, and let's say before the accident, when you hear that name, what comes to your mind? First thing, send it to me. 97136, get at me on ticket text. Also, 